This is Global Ambitions, your 15-minute window into the minds of localization and international go-to-market experts. Discover how they respond to their biggest challenges. Here's today's host. Hi, I'm Antoine Ray, and I'll be your host today for this Global Ambition podcast. And today, my guest is Eike Marie, localization manager at Jimdo. And we'll be talking about her journey from a reactive to a managed localization process and beyond. Eike, welcome to the program. Hi, thanks for having me. So I'll go straight into it. And so you've been working at Jimdo for a while now. And from our conversation, the early days, the company was quite reactive to certain market forces. Can you talk to us about this in terms of localization, of course? Yes, at least some of the corporations or language locales that we have had a more reactive approach. For example, the Japanese language that we offer was the result of a cooperation and initiative by a company called KDDI, which is our cooperation partner, who saw an article about Jimdo in TechCrunch in, in the very early days and decided that they want to bring Jimdo to Japan. So it was not Jimdo trying to internationalize and going outward, but it was Japan approaching us. Right. <laughs> we had other locales where we established country teams and tried to do it in a more active way. But all in all, I would say the early days were a more reactive stage of localization. And so the trigger in this case was a company in Japan interested in bringing your product to the market. And can you tell us then, uh, in terms of the reactive side of things, what did you have to do? Because I presume that product may not have been completely internationalized or some of it only and uh, and other aspects uh, that you had to take into consideration to launch the product on the Japanese market. I don't know since it's such a long time ago. So, I mean, I'm with Jimdo since 2011, but I was in different roles back then. I moved to the localization manager role three years ago. So in my understanding, what we had at that time was uh, an internationalization infrastructure from the development side, but we didn't have a localization team or a process infrastructure. So the way this cooperation was set up is that we decided that Jimdo takes care of the product part and that KDDI, the cooperation partner, takes care of marketing and customer service. So the areas which are, need highly localization. They took the lead on that side and created content directly in the market? They created content directly. They established ways how to market the product uh, on the Japanese market. And they also provided the customer service. And we aligned whenever possible, but also had clear uh, clarity that the Japanese team has freedom for their own choices and decisions. So sometimes they would send different emails or invest more into communication for certain issues, mm -hmm. features, whatever. Some features we would not release directly on the Japanese market uh, at that point in time. We, uh, for example, in the past, when we had a first rebranding, the Japanese team decided that they want to keep one icon that we had decided to stop using on the European market, for example. That's an interesting concept and something that I see quite a lot, a trend uh, happening in the market where, from a marketing perspective, a lot of uh, companies to attract people to their platform opt for content origination as opposed to localizing yeah. content from, from English or from German, uh, for instance, in this case. And that seems to be working fairly well combined with an SEO strategy. We're seeing this more and more in terms of campaigns or articles, blogs, you know, 
Um, so that ended up being in a successful marketing strategy uh, for you guys in Japan, yeah? Yeah, definitely. So I think the advantage for, for Jimdo at that point in time was that there was knowledge about the Japanese market. We did not need to acquire that knowledge in the sense. Right. I think you can also have it in a different way that when you want to internationalize into specific markets that you approach companies that help you do it, that have this knowledge. But in this case, it was that the company approached us. Right. But I think the, the outcome or the benefit of having a partner who knows the local market quite well definitely um, is positive. Right. I remember that we also tried to expand to China, for example. We also had, I think in that sense, we integrated or we worked together with someone who knew that market quite well and was based in, in China as well. But that market was a lot more difficult to open up and would have required a lot more investment. So at some point, we decided to stop it. I think it also has to do with the partner who approaches in Japan is a very mm. big known entity yeah partner so it's kddi so it's it's also a very established company and not a consultant or someone who tries to bring other companies to to the market and they have a specialized area that focuses on bringing different products and make them fit for the japanese market so they also have cooperations with canva and twilio and most mm -hmm. likely other products as well Pick, pick your partners carefully in that case, I guess. Exactly, exactly. Then you came back to the company and you were asked to manage uh, localization. And so this is where it started to move from a reactive approach to something that looks more managed. Do you want to tell us about this a little bit? Yes, exactly. Yeah. So three years ago, I came back from parental leave and that's when I was offered to take um, the localization manager role. A role that didn't exist at Jimdo at that point in time. So before it was a self-managed process, and sometimes there were improvements on the process and infrastructure was built. This was mostly triggered either by development developers who wanted to, to ease the process. So we, for example, integrated with Phrase very early on as an initiative by some of the developers. But we were still at the stage where we had people in customer service, native speakers, some with a translation background, some not with translation mm -hmm. background doing the translations. And it was organized, I think, based on a Slack channel where developers would just say what they need and people would pick it up. So there was no one coordinating these tasks or someone who tried to streamline it a bit as part of a side task, but no dedicated role to do this. And since I had some experience setting up positions that did not exist before and that required a bit of work on the process side, I was asked if I wanted to take, take over this position as localization manager. And what I did as a first step, like you say, moving from reactive to, to a managed process is that I established a clearer way how tasks reach the localization team. And I established a pool of freelance translators. So I tried to separate from the customer service teams. Okay. Because I also knew from, from my background, as I had been leading customer service teams before, that it's difficult for customer service to plan capacities when you have people doing translation by the side. And also for the people who were working on these tasks, it was very difficult at some point in time to prioritize what's the most important thing to do because customer service usually is very high priority and needs a quick response and translations as well. So people were always struggling a bit. 
it's probably not an unusual situation for a lot of companies that we speak to to see that evolution, you know, where it moves from people that have a different job in the organization, whether it's marketing or customer service, and they're being asked to do yes. that outside of their hours exactly. or on top of their hours, you know, and it's somewhere it breaks and it needs a localization manager. Yeah. What I learned is that it's a very common way of growing. Yes, <laughs> in that indeed. Sense. So it's more common that you probably would like to like it to have. I remember that uh, a couple of years back, Phrase hosted a, a small conference that I was attending and all the, I think Deliveroo shared learnings, I shared learnings and someone else. And it was usually the same or a very same thing, but different right? Same pattern. experience that people were sharing. And I also remember that one guy from a very small company in, in Scandinavia shared their approach, how they wanted to, to expand and used phrase machine translation. So they used a different approach, but I know that all the localization managers who have been going so, through certain experience and learning paths mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and translators in the room were kind of were really like, oh my God. You did not just machine translate the whole website and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. So I think it's a very common experience that companies mm-hmm. make. At some point, they realize they want to internationalize. They grow in the sense that they need to gather awareness what internationalization means, that it needs infrastructure, that it needs to be more than just translating text into a different language. And I think this is all a a growth path. I think there are even maturity models where you can be as a company uh, on a localization level that show this very nicely. Yeah, and as well as building your own awareness with your peers in the industry, it's probably also developing internal awareness, right? Yes, to to a large degree. I still have the feeling that this is still a task that takes a lot of time at the moment for me. Mm -hmm. I feel that it's also connected to to leadership levels. So who has a background in working in global companies and understanding how localization can work, sometimes has a better insight and understanding how localization can evolve. So I think you can grow in the sense that sometimes you initiate the growth uh, from, from within. And sometimes uh, it's nice to have the perspective from the outside of just bringing in a different view, how things could move forward and what needs to happen. Yeah. And that kind of links to my next point I wanted to bring here. Now you have a product that is in six languages, if I'm not mistaken. And um, this is not uncommon as well for companies that we speak to, to see at a startup level where we see they're getting their... A series A and B funding, and that's really investment geared towards the development of the product features, uh, selling to domestic market. And then when they get to series C, they, all of a sudden they hire a lot of marketing people, a lot of salespeople, and that organization grows and the investors are asking those organizations to go international. And that's where your role evolves, you know, from that reactive yeah. to reputable to manage, you know, and optimize hopefully beyond. So what's what's next for, for you now that you, you've established a solid uh, framework now? What's happening next then? So I see two, I think two lines evolving most likely next year. One is that I want to improve the infrastructure um, and the process side still. Since I think Jimdo's development in the early years was a bit different. Now we're coming into that development that you described uh, with mm-hmm. growth and a new, what I call like to call a new level of internationalization. And I feel the way how we have been using phrase in the past has a lot of hysterical background that we need to clean up. 
in order to be able to, to scale a bit more efficiently on that side. And I also see that we want to move forward uh, into the markets that we're already in, but deepen our knowledge on those markets and localize better for these specific markets. One of the reasons is that we also had a rebranding and refocus of what we're trying to achieve. So as you know, we come from a website builder company mm -hmm. and then realized that there is much more that we can support small businesses with and that website is just one part of the puzzle. So usually small businesses are kind of uh, generalists in everything that they do. So they have their business idea, but they need to do all these tasks that you need to do in order to make the business work. So it's you need a website, you need to do invoices, you need to send your packages. If you have an online shop, you need to take care of taxes. Um, you need to make sure that you have legal tax on your website. So there's a lot of topics that people need to take care of that we see they're challenged by, not just by setting up a website. And right. we try to support them with the bigger picture now. And lots of these topics might be very similar in specific locales, but in detail, they likely are very different. So the situation of small businesses will is likely very different in the locales and what they need will be different too. Right. So we need to understand better in that second wave of internationalization, as I call it, uh, what that specific market needs from us. So that's interesting because you're getting more in-depth from a localization perspective more in-depth from an internationalization perspective, but also from the services that you're actually looking at offering uh, to your clients in country. That's a great evolution, yeah. It's the service side tri triggering that process, but with our higher level of awareness for what localization actually means, we can um, probably also decide a lot better on the localization level, uh, what level we want to provide. Great, like, uh, I think this is very interesting to see the the evolution that you went through. And like we said, that is not uncommon with a lot of uh, startup organizations. So thanks very much for joining us today. And we certainly will keep an eye on Jimdo's progress uh, over the next uh, few, few months and few years. Thanks a lot, Antoine. It was a very nice talk. I enjoyed it a lot. Thanks for tuning in to Global Ambitions. Subscribe at globalambitions.net or wherever you get your podcasts.